and welcome to No Bad Reviews, colon, a bonus coffee podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we decided to do a bonus episode. I brought it to Steph and Marcus. I had read an article um, about what coffee roasters and coffee shops are doing in Ukraine and in the war right now. Mm. Um, And you probably, I mean, I just naturally assume that anybody who owns a business was either fighting or out of the country. Yeah. But it turns out that like life still goes on, you know, and are they still serving the Roth. They are. <laughs> yeah, they are. And, um, just this article in com for those who don't know who aren't coffee people, com is like the main coffee publication, um, industry, publication. I- industry publication. Uh, they just do tons of articles and they're all coffee related. And so just like New York times covers news stuff, Sprudge coffee covers coffee news stuff so anyways it was this really interesting article um where they where they interviewed several different coffee shop owners um and what they're doing in the war so i wanted to really do a quick episode about it and marcus and steph were like hell yeah let's do it yeah i want to hear this yeah so um you're here if you're listening you probably know that we're a coffee podcast and normally we try it a coffee at the end of every podcast, but this is a, a mini episode, mini bonus episodes. So it's special coverage of the Ukrainian war through the lens of coffee. But we're not tasting any Ukrainian coffee. Right. So we're not actually going to try a coffee at the end of this episode. We're just going to do some special reporting um, because it's relevant right now. Yeah. And at the end of the episode two, I have, and that we'll post to our you know, social media and our show notes, um, a link that I found from one of these coffee companies' Instagram. Um, so this is of ways that you can help in the Ukrainian war. Excellent. So um, we'll go ahead and start. I'm Jenny. I am the owner, operator of coffee company. And I'm Marcus, and I am the roaster and green coffee buyer and overall uh, maintenance technician uh, guy (laughs) uh, for the business. All right. And I'm Stephanie, and I'm the employee of the month, and it is Modest Coffee. Oh, yeah. Steph Steph is always going to point that out. She'll point it out if we don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So anyways, we'll go ahead and get started. So we all know... That Putin is a real fucker. Oh, yeah, we know that. A murderous bastard. Fuck that guy. And I'm sure that all of us have heard about this little tiny scrimmage, skirmish. Military operation. Special Mm. military operation. Special military operation. That this fucker has started over in Ukraine. It is, um, I'm not sure if it's been consuming other people as much as it's been consuming me, but it's been like really, really bothering me a lot that... This whole thing is happening. It's- I wouldn't say it's changed my pattern too much. I mean, I wake up, I go online, check to see if Zelensky's still alive, yeah. and then, you know, go about my day. I mean, it's just really horrifying it to see horrible. these things. Um, one thing I want to say about the war that I think is really amazing, so, and I was talking to Marcus about this the other day, is the way, the unique way that the Ukrainian government is fighting back against the Russians. Um, You know, I think Putin, everybody says Putin was like, oh, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to stomp those guys, and I'm going to get 
out, we're and gonna I'm gonna and I'm gonna own Ukraine. Received with with open arms by the <laughs> well, Ukrainian I mean, I, people. Well, that sounds a little more like propaganda. It seems like he was gonna go in, fucking kill a bunch of people, and then be like, "Yoink, you're mine again." Yeah. But instead, Ukraine has been like, "Yeah, no, that's not happening." Um, and Ukraine, smaller country, smaller military. But what I think is really amazing is the way that they have modernized this fight, and they are may not have the might of people and military and money that Russia does, but they have, they are fucking modern. You know, the, the president is young. He's not like a, like career politician. He's not an oligarch. You know, he and his cabinet members, they are TV people. They are technology people. And that's really, I feel like how they've been fighting this war is they are, and in this modern age of computers and media and TV shows and social media and all of these things, they have, like, I am just so impressed by the way they have, like, expertly captured, like, the hearts of the entire world yeah. and world leaders using these things of, you know, media and talking and probably their experience story writing and they've been able to really connect with people of each country on their own cultural levels and that's really though like like you experience story writing like you just introduced to me the show last night oh yeah we were watching the show that Zelensky's show that he had servant of the people hang on i want to get to that later um so anyways i'm just really impressed by the fact that they were like okay well we don't have the military personnel personnel and we don't necessarily have the this necessarily you know, 40 years of government experience, but we're going to fight this war the best way we know how. And we're going to drum up support worldwide and we're going to broadcast worldwide the atrocities that are happening. Mm-hmm. And Putin was probably like, fuck, he doesn't know <laughs> any of this stuff. Like he he might know how to fight a war with weapons and might, but he does not, I don't think, know how to fight a war that connects with modern people. I feel like- I mean, his- other than Facebook. Like he, yeah. I mean, other than like kind of fucking with our own elections through Facebook, Mm. but um, but he, but that's like a propaganda tactic, right? The way he fucked in our elections is a propaganda thing. So he knows propaganda, he knows military, he knows might, but he doesn't know how to connect with people. Yeah, he does not know how to be likable. No, No. not at all. He does not know how to like be a hero. He doesn't know how to like really connect with. People. I think the most likable like version of Putin was was like I think somebody was making fun of him riding a bear shirtless. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> like if he'd put that out, I'd have been like, man, that's yeah. But no, yeah, it's like that's that's it. That's the most likable version yeah, of exactly. somebody making fun of him. If you would just like not speak and walk around mostly naked, he'd be more likable. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Um, if he just didn't exist, I think that would make him the most likable. Um, so but anyway, you're right, though. I, I mean, think, I think the guy, like, is, is, is like, it's, he's more, like, you know, terrorizing, right? Like, I think more people are afraid of Putin. of him, yeah. right? Did you guys see the 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 video of of him like trying to shake world leaders' hands? And like, no, no. <laughs> there's like a 30 second video or whatever on the internet of of nobody wants to shake his hand for fear that he might have poison or something on his oh. hand. Oh my god. Right, Shit. like every like every, people are shaking hands and then they get to Putin. They're no, like, like mm. uh, <laughs> right, gross. yeah. But I mean, it's like every single like hero story ends with 
the guy who everybody hates and fears losing. I mean, it's almost, I feel like we're in a battle of good versus evil right mm. now. I really do. Um, and it's like, because Zelensky and his people have been, in the Ukrainian people, have been able to wage this war in this unique way, they are now getting the support financially, militarily, you know, with people, everything else, um, that I don't think Putin could ever imagine nor expect or expect for himself you know i think that i don't know how things are going to go but i am really rooting for the ukrainian people and a little bit jealous of their fucking president i mean wouldn't it be Mm. so nice if we had somebody who could inspire the nation and bring everybody together yeah that'd be great that'd be a real change of pace for us i know we just had like a you know government leaders that were born i don't know like Within the last like, 50 years? Yeah, exactly. Could we have a fucking person in government who's not like 150 years old? For fuck's sake, man. Yeah. I mean, Barack Obama, he was a cool president. I mean, we're not going to talk about, I'm not talking about policies or anything that he's done. I'm just talking about cool factor. <laughs> Obama was a cool guy. Okay. But every other president throughout history has been like, don't forget JFK. Oh, JFK. He was a pretty cool guy, too. So we have JFK and we have Obama. Basically, should we put an age limit on presidency? Like a maximum? I mean, there's a minimum. I think there should be a maximum. Right. Yeah. Anyways, (laughs) Zelensky, he's a cool guy, um, you know, for this episode and then just for my own. Um, curiosity. I've been like reading up a lot on him. We watched his TV show, his Servant of the People TV show from Ukraine. Fucking hilarious. It was actually really funny. Really funny. Explain this to me. So he became president. um, So back in like the mid 20 teens, Zelensky. So he was a, he started, he joined up with a comedy troupe in high school. And then like did they, him and his comedy troupe did stuff throughout his adulthood. And then by the time he got to his thirties, him and his buddies decided to start a TV show. Um, And so they started this TV show called Servant of the People, where a teacher got elected president. And then this show was so popular and the people of Ukraine saw him in this presidential way that he was encouraged then to actually run for president. Oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And so 2019, he ran and won basically on the exact same platform that he presented or that he portrayed in the TV show. Yeah, like anti-corruption. Anti-oligarchs. Like anti-oligarchs, yeah. And it's like pro-Ukraine, f- like Ukrainian people. And he won by yeah. He won by like a oh, landslide. We yeah. need a comedian president. Who That's would what be I was our saying. comedian president? Yes. I know. I we like, totally we do. do. Somebody with like a sense of humor. Right. John Stewart. Oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. John yeah, Stewart. He would oh be a God. really good candidate. For John real, Stewart, real. if you're listening, <laughs> please, for the love of God, will you run for president? Please. That would be great. But yeah, it's really funny. We're watching this show, Servant of the People, and it's a really well done show. And it's really interesting. It's all in subtitles and uh, American or English subtitles to watch. So you have to watch and read at the same time. But um, yeah, basically, it's it's kind of like a snapshot into what life is like for the Ukrainian people, like living under this government that is just historically corrupt, you know, with either ties to Russia or ties to their buddies and their friends. And it shows like, he's just a normal guy, a teacher and his whole family, like, you know, they're just like this 
average Ukrainian family. So as soon as he's elected president, wasn't even expecting to win. So he's kind of bewildered. <laughs> People are calling his parents like, oh, can I get in with this cabinet? Can I get in with that? Everybody's calling, looking for favors. Mm. And the parents are like, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. So it's like, Marcus and I were kind of like, man, like, you think things are bad in the United States? Like, no, I think they're actually much worse in, like, these ex-Soviet countries in mm. terms of corruption and just giving out to their friends. And then there's, like, these three, like, oligarch guys um, who, like, you don't ever see their faces, but you see them having conversations about who they want to install as the president, who they're going to buy in. And, mm. um, and then, like, the three of them are sitting around eating. They're like, so one of them's like, so really, tell me the truth. Which one of you guys paid for this guy to get to be president <laughs> and the other two are like thought we, you did I, we thought you did and then he's like well one of us is clearly lying because it's like like obviously in ukrainian in ukraine everybody historically has gotten elected through you know backdoor handshakes and money wow. dealing so it's really a fascinating show and it really kind of helps me understand like what life is but like but even there. like the jokes and the and like the way that they they the, the type of humor for me like really resonated because it's like, it's like funny and sad, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. like it's, it just, it feels very much like our, like living in Chicago, you know, <laughs> like making like, fun of a bad situation. It's like you laugh so you don't cry. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it just, it just really hit home. And I was wondering, I'm like, is, is like the Eastern European, like, group of like the big population is like does that have something to do with like our sense of humor in chicago Mm. because like the jokes that that they're telling in this show are like they just hit real real hard for me well you know what's so funny like as you're just saying this i'm reminded of our ukrainian landlady amelia you know and i was like so when we lived we had this apartment and had one and a half baths and i had the bathroom that was the half bath and something broke in my bathroom. My toilet wasn't working or something. And I went to her and I'm like, Amelia, uh, you know, my bathroom's not working. And she's like, you no use. Problem solved. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, <laughs> so it's kind of like this sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek, like, way of viewing the world. And, yeah, she was, like, so earnest about it, though, at the same time. It was so funny. It's like... That still sticks with me as one of my fondest yeah. memories of her. And I remember, Jen, like, when I came home that day, Jenny's like, like, that's where we left it. Like, yeah. she just said, like, just don't use it. So, wait, was it a joke or did she never fix the bathroom? Well, no, I then, did, like, three days later, a plumber showed up. She did have up. it okay. fixed. But like, but, like, she didn't say, like, oh, I'll have a plumber there. She was right. like, oh, just don't use it. You know, use. Problem solved. She's <laughs> like, can do, do, are you going to say something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then like and then yeah and then three days later you're like they're like there's a plumber in here like like you it's, were unexpected yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but then even like so on this show like there are some kind of off-color jokes there was like a joke comparing a penis to a finger and then there's like a, an expletive filled rant of f-bombs and <laughs> bastards and bullshit and i'm like so this is like their kind of tv show and it was rated tv 14 by the way okay yeah. maybe by america but in ukraine i mean this is just how i think ukrainians are just kind of like sar- sarcastic and don't take things too seriously our kind of people our kind of people they're totally our kind of people i mean they're literally my kind of people a hundred per- are you ukrainian yeah, there's like some Russian. You, I think I'm both Russian and Ukrainian, uh, actually. Well, so I'm real torn here. Don't yeah. ask. <laughs> well, 
You're I mean, from Crimea. Uh, like yeah. <laughs> I think actually, I think I'm Russian, but the name is Ukrainian. There was something interesting. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like there was like a lot of Russia and Ukraine like being mixed. It seems like Ukraine as a geographical location has like a pretty strong Ukrainian culture. And like back in the early 1900s, there was like all this stuff with Soviets and in the area of Ukraine, even though like there was this USSR thing, they still had like Ukrainian school, Ukrainian language, Ukrainian culture that they were teaching and upholding in the Ukrainian area. So it's not like Ukraine became its own country in 1991. Like Ukraine is older than Russia, right? Is that accurate? So that whole area of Eastern Europe Mm -hmm. has kind of been like taken over by this person and taken over by that person. And for like a while, it was like a Poland, Lithuania, people were taking it. And then Russia was a part of it. And, and then um, Ottoman Empire came. Anyway, so I wouldn't call it a part of Russia, I would say that a lot, there were a lot of Slavic tribes throughout this area, and then different groups from different parts of the world were just kind of conquering and conquering and going back mm. and forth. And this it's kind of land. mushy. Yeah. And because Ukraine is like right there in the middle and it's on the Black Sea, mm. it's kind of like in a trade route. And, you know, you figure Ottoman Empire, Turkey is to the south. You've got Russia to the east. You've got Poland and Lithuania to the north. So it all kind of just got pulled and tugged around a lot. Okay. But Ukraine has kind of maintained its own identity through all of that. And so I think that's why the Ukrainian, by Russia, it's like, hey, you belong to us because it was part of the USSR. But Ukraine was not like we're Russian. They have people who are of Russian descent because, you know, there is a lot of fluidity between the borders back in the day and people who speak Russian. But Ukraine has a really solid identity. And that's why when Russia, when Putin's like, you're ours, Ukraine's like, no, fuck you. Even though Ukraine has enjoyed a relationship with Russia in the past. And I think that might be part of why Putin's so pissed right now, because in the past, the presidents, since the fall of the USSR, like 1991, Ukrainian presidents were basically in Putin's back pocket. Mm. And the last president was anti-Russia, but he was still fucking corrupt. He Mm. was just his own type of Ukrainian corrupt. (laughs) And then here, Zelensky comes along. He just kind of runs for president because he had this successful TV show where he was a successful president. (laughs) You know, isn't it crazy? And then Putin's like, this guy's a fucking joke. I'm going to go take what belongs, what I think belongs to me. Um, And Zelensky is inexperienced. I was reading articles about like, kind of like little missteps that he's had that other career politicians might not, because he's just kind of like this pure, comedian guy who's just trying to do the best for the Ukrainian people. Winging it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's basically like us. It's like tugging at my heartstrings right I know. There. I really like connect trying. with him. Yeah. He's really just like an ordinary guy. Um, anyways, so that's that. A little bit, I guess, just about the war itself, which was a little bit of a tangent that I wasn't expecting to go on. But you know what? I really admire what they're doing, and I really admire the efforts and kind of have this adoration for... Zelensky and the Ukrainian people and his government. So President Zelensky, love him or leave him? Oh, <laughs> love him. Marcus was like, you have a crush on him, don't you? And I was like, 
Well, I don't want to like get romantic with him. Like it's not that <laughs> no. kind of a crush, but it's like, like a, a man crush. It's like it's like, like a friend for, crush. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, like I have a crush on him. Well, and then I so. look at his family and his wife is beautiful and their daughter looks like somebody who would be at my house playing. You know, they just look so fucking relatable and ordinary. So he should really send an email if he would like to be your friend. Yes. Yeah. Zelensky, we are accepting friends. We would gladly have you come join us. Maybe you can get your hands on some of this Blue Mountain coffee. Yeah. yeah. Well, they actually, I don't know if Ukraine needs this Blue Mountain coffee. Mm. They have a really strong specialty coffee movement in Ukraine. Yeah, tell scene. us all about yeah, Ukrainian they like this coffee. Whole scene. So, um, you know, like we were just talking about kind of the history of Ukraine, since the fall of the USSR, even though that like throughout this period and in the 2000s, they had people who were in the like BFFs with Putin still, they wanted to have more European Union ties. And so they were making deals in the 2000s with Europe to open up more trade and more travel. And then the 20 teens, Ukrainians were allowed to more easily travel into the European Union than they were before. And so people are going and they're traveling and they're experiencing Western European culture and coffee and they're being introduced to like third wave coffee. And so then... Um, Mid-2013-2014, the president was supposed to sign a deal with Europe to, like, really cement this trade that the people of Ukraine were really excited about. It was kind of—it wasn't, like, joining the European Union, but it was becoming, like, a really good partner. And then that guy was, like, I think because of pressure from Putin, decided mm. not to sign it. And mm. the Ukrainian people were, like, fuck this. And so it was called the Euro Maiden Uprising. Hmm. Maiden, Maiden, I don't know how to pronounce that, just means square. And it started in the square. There's like this big square in the middle of Kiev. Um, it's pretty cool, I guess, like a tourist spot. And um, they call it the Euro Maiden, Maiden, whatever, because it was related to the European trade stuff. And they kicked that president out. Like mm. it was like protests and people were getting killed by the government and it just really became this big thing. And so after that, there was like a, a depression, like an economic depression. Mm. And the, the local currency lost so much of its value that they could not really import coffee um, from Europe. It wasn't affordable. So they have these people who now have become interested in like third wave specialty coffee, but they can't get it from Europe. So they were like, well, fuck it. We're just going to start making it ourselves. So so it was really like this Euro Maiden uprising that kicked off the specialty coffee scene in Ukraine. Oh. Yeah. So they started importing their own coffee, same place as we import from, you know, Kenya and South America and Central America. So they're getting the same coffees that we are imported into Ukraine. And the coffee culture just started really taking off in Ukraine, more so even than in the rest of Europe. And Ukraine has now become a hot spot of specialty coffee. They have some of the best coffees. They have some of the best coffee roasters in all of Europe. Wow. It's like they're really into it. And some like I was looking at just different coffee shops, like their ambiance and they de their decor could be anything you might find in the United States. It's really impressive. And they're also competitive too, right? Because yeah. I know just from my own experience watching like the world barista championship mm -hmm. scene and stuff like that, oh. like there's some like serious like 
barista competitors oh, coming yeah. out of the Ukraine as well. Mm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there was a coffee roaster called Foundation Coffee Roasters. And they roasted a coffee. The Ukrainian barista Slava Babich. If you're Slava Babich, let me know if I pronounced your name wrong. <laughs> um, she won the 2018 World Barista Championship in the Ibrik category. So an Ibrik Damn. is like a metal like scientific flask shaped like that triangular shape like a pot yeah like a like a pot but it's smaller at the top and wider at the bottom with a long handle and that is very common way that they make coffee like at home in ukraine and in fact on that tv show servant of the people that's how they brewed their coffee was over a flame on their stove on this ibrick cool it's really cool and so basically like you pour the grounds and the water all in together and then you heat it over the stove and when it all bubbles up and to almost spill over then your coffee's done and then oh. you just like you have to let it settle for a few minutes and all those grounds will settle back to the bottom and then you just pour it like ladle pour it off oh. of the top and then you leave the grounds in the bottom it's a really interesting fascinating way to make coffee love it yeah. it's like cowboy coffee yeah like the american cowboy coffee and it's really thick <sighs> And it's really concentrated, so it's almost like an espresso-strength coffee. Mm. Um, so anyways, they won. Ukraine won in this category. And it's, Ukraine's not the only place. I mean, there's tons of places around the world that the Ibrik is the way that they wrote, brew coffee. Um, so yeah, they're on the map for that. Anyways, that yeah, that was how they, the specialty coffee became such a big thing in Ukraine, was just out of necessity. And then... I don't know. They're just like really interested in it and they thought it was really cool. And so, you know, within this country, they have. That's what they say, the, that necessity is the mother of invention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have like more specialty coffee roasters than any other country in Europe. Really? Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so surprising. It is. It's really cool. Um, so nowadays, the war coffee. So mm-hmm. I read an article, like I said, in Sprudge. It was written by a Ukrainian coffee journalist named Yaroslav. Druziuk. Let me know if I spelled it right. <laughs> pronounced it wrong. I'm doing my best here. He runs um, a website called Blackfield Coffee, which I will post a link to in our show notes. Um, it's a Ukrainian coffee culture website. It's a really cool website. It has just, you know, basically it's like the sprudge of Ukraine. And it was really kind of sad going through, like I was looking through his website and, you know, you're seeing these articles in another article I read too about coffee culture. You're, they're talking about these different coffee roasters and coffee shops in these places that we now know are like rubble, like Meruapol. Yeah. Like there was, they, they, one of these articles was talking about that. Con- and so it's like this one article I read from 2018, it's like Dnipro. I don't know if I pronounced that right either. Kharkiv. All these, con- all these like major cities that are being totally decimated right now, had big coffee roasters and big mm. coffee shops and a really strong, popular coffee culture. You know, and it's it's not just them; it's also the residents are into this coffee, and it's 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 upsetting to like read an article about some place that you know has now been. Like, I mean, maybe those people are even murdered, or people who went to these coffee shops are you know possibly killed and. Anyways, it's really upsetting. So um, the the coffee companies, a lot of these coffee shops and coffee roasters have not shut down in Ukraine. They're like, we are here and we're going to keep serving coffee to people and we're going to try to make life as normal as possible for as long as we can. They're also working to provide coffee for the military and coffee for the government and the people and the, the medical staff. 
The first one I'll talk about is there's a place, a coffee shop called Yellow Place. Um, you know, they've got six of their team who have stayed behind in Kiev to keep the coffee shop running. They also have like a little specialty grocery store. Russia did bomb the grocery store's warehouse. Oh. So that the food side has been destroyed, but I guess the coffee has remained untouched. They have enough green, I guess, to last them through the summer. They're hopeful that their shipment in the summer will be able to get through, but they have enough coffee that they are, um, they're one of the coffee shops that's just trying to keep life as normal as possible. And they feel really committed to their customers that they still show up so people can feel a little bit of normalcy in their life. They're also volunteering in their off time to set up temporary shelters, helping set up shelters in like schools and things like Mm. that for people who have lost their homes. Um, there's another one called Madhead's Coffee Roasters that's also in Kiev. They're the ones who are supporting the government and like Zelensky right now. So that's kind of fun um, when they they don't know for sure that Zelensky's drinking their coffee, <laughs> but they've sent like 1,800 bags of drip ground coffee to the government to help them. Um, you heard it here first that yeah. Zelensky doesn't grind his own coffee. <laughs> nope. Not during a war, I guess. Not, Not during, during a war. war. I'm sure he's grinding it outside of wartime. But, you know, when you're in a war, you just got to get that caffeine in you, especially <laughs> when you're staying up all night. Um, this guy is the one, actually, the one of the owners of Madheads is the one who roasted the coffee that won the championship. Oh, cool. Yeah, mm. so that's really cool. He said that they're also giving coffee out to the defenses, I guess, like, he talked to one of the, I don't know, military people, and here's kind of a funny quote. They said, guys, we have lots of coffee here, but it's all Lavazza. It's fine. We're not complaining. But if you have some of your good stuff, please send it to us. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought that was pretty funny that Lavazza is, like, world known for not being great. (laughs) Sorry, Italy. (laughs) And then he said, um, so, of course, Madhead's dead. There's no way Russian occupying forces have specialty coffee delivered to them in the trenches. Adds, adds, I'm not going to try to say his name cheerfully. (laughs) So, like, that, that going back to like the humor of the Ukrainian people. He's like, well, at least they don't have good coffee over there. <laughs> Fuck you, Russia. Mm. <laughs> um, there's another one called Veterano Coffee. This is a pretty big chain throughout Ukraine. They have locations in multiple big cities, probably some of them which are not doing so well right now. It was started by a veteran, and he said that he obviously has gone back to war, and he employed veterans, and so they all went back yeah. to the war too. Mm. He said it's kind of a bummer because he just opened up a beautiful new location right before the war started. Mm. So going back to that Ukrainian humor, he's like, well, this is shitty timing. (laughs) (laughs) Just opened this great location. What the hell? Now he's got to defend it. Now he's got to defend it. Um, But yeah, this interview with him, he just, I don't know, he just kind of struck me as this like... Yeah, this sucks, but here we are. You know, we're going to do what we can. And, you know, he's just upbeat and positive and come on guys let's go Funt kavi kavi i guess is ukrainian for coffee um this guy vlad do Meneko, i don't know he um this kind of struck me as funny he went to university college then went to medical school and then finished his medical school and it's like i think i want to be a barista <laughs> and then i was like is university free in Ukraine? Uh, probably, probably, right? It's free in Ukraine. And probably have healthcare too. So yeah. he's like, you know what? I can just do what makes me happy. And mm. that's exactly what happened. He went through medical school and was like, you know what? I'm just going to be a barista. 
That shit would not happen in the United States. After oh spending all that money on medical school, you're like conscripted know. to be a doctor till those loans are paid the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he became a barista, became one of like the top roasters, top cafes in terms of quality. Um, he won uh, the Good Spirits competition, a barista competition, which is like a Ukraine-wide competition. He's like the top barista of Ukraine. Wow. Yeah. They're only operating three of their cafes, and they're, you know, 40 to 50% of what their business was before. So he's now working three days as a doctor or helping mm. the doctors, helping the hospitals with burn victims, mm. and then working the rest of his days in the <sighs> coffee shop. <sighs> so, yeah. I mean, it seems like everybody is... Like, okay, we're going to do coffee when we can, and then we're going to help out our country the rest of the time. So it's like this dual, like, fighting back and also trying to maintain some normalcy for everybody. And then also all these people are donating coffee to the troops. They're donating coffee to the military. You know, I think it was Funt Kavi. They have, um, or no, it was Madheads. They have, like, a whole... distribution network of wholesale partners and so they're distributing still to their wholesale partners but then also because they have these routes set up they're delivering to the military as well so yeah i mean everybody's doing their best they're working their hardest they're trying to live a normal life in the face of a war the veterano coffee guy said that you know in a war you're seeing action about 10 percent of the time and then the other 90 percent of the time you kind of have to, if you're in the military, you're probably doing other stuff like clearing a rubble and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But I think that's probably how it is for most people. You're not just being bombarded all hours of the day. It's probably 10% of your day is like, oh, fuck. And then the rest of the time, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. So I think everybody's just trying to stay busy and help out the effort. Um, Yellow Place, they had a link on their Instagram of um, how you can help Ukraine. And when I followed the link, there were... Uh, there were further links. You could either donate money for medical need. Do you have uh, military-grade equipment at your home? <laughs> of course I do. I'm a fucking American. What do right. you need? Right. <laughs> there is a contact on there, so you can go ahead and send your sniper rifles and, I don't know, bulletproof vests to this guy. Um, I do have a javelin missile, like sitting on our coffee table. So I, guess I, I guess it's an extra one. I don't <laughs> exactly. So you can. We have a link to go send that. Uh, there's a link to some really cool posters of art from Ukrainian people. Really oh. cool artwork. If you wanted some sort of a poster to post on your social media, you know, prior to this whole invasion thing, it's. I didn't really, you know, think very much about Ukraine. It's like I feel so. You know, that's like here in America, or maybe it's how it is for people around the world. You feel kind of just, here I am. This is my life. This is what is revolving around me. And then reading about this and reading about the history and seeing everything that goes on in the news and how the whole world is kind of coming together to help Ukraine, it it kind of reminds me of, like, when you hear astronauts tell stories of going up into space, and then they're up at, you know, doing their space Stuff, and they look back at the earth and they just kind of see the earth as one place. It's not a bunch of little individual places. It's not a bunch of individual people even. It's one big interconnected place. And I think researching for this little bonus episode, I was kind of struck by this connection we have around the world to each other. We're not just here in America or here in Illinois or whatever, or here in this house. We're really part of like a a bigger global thing. And 
like people everywhere, we feel the same emotions and we have the same connections and we just want to, you know, connect with each other and live our lives as best we can. And I think we're all pretty much, we all feel the same stuff, you know, like here these people are like, if we had a war here in the United States, like, what would we be doing? We'd probably be kind of paralyzed, but then it's like, well, I guess like, the gas and the electricity are on at the warehouse. So let's go roast some coffee. And we're like, all right, our sales are down. We have a little extra time. Let's give some of this money, get coffee to the military. I think what they're doing is they're just doing the best they can. Anyway, so yeah, I just kind of, I found it kind of interesting how my perspective changed, really kind of diving into this and reading about it. Obviously, we've all been thinking about the war in Ukraine, but just like something about hearing about the coffee roasters makes it so personal. Yeah. Like, it's really, I want to cry right now. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I was getting pretty emotional when I was reading about it too. It's such a like direct connection. Yeah. And especially reading about how coffee culture is different all over in different countries all over the world. But it seems like Ukrainian coffee culture is so similar to the coffee culture we have in the United States, or at least the coffee culture that we're a part of. Yeah. You know, I feel like I can really connect with them. I mean, and looking at their pictures, I mean, these are, I feel like I could know any of them, mm-hmm. could run into them at any coffee shop that we go to. So, yeah, it's like a, it's a real fucking bummer. I really hope that um, this war doesn't destroy things too terribly in any way. Because even before, like, the war started, I remember hearing about how Putin was threatening. So I was like, or, uh, and then I saw this different spelling of Kiev in the Ukrainian way of Kiev. So I just kind of fell down a little personal rabbit hole learning about, well, why is it Kiev? And what does that mean? And what actually is the city of Kiev like? And it just looks like such a fucking cool place and such a cool city. And they have like this cool, like Eastern European architecture with those rounded domes. And like Kiev has all these like really cool um, cultural sites. What's well, cool about that show too, is like you can see all the, obviously not bombed out, but you can see all these like shots of Kiev and it feels like Chicago, you know? Mm, it's like but, like, the, with some, like, cooler, older architecture. Yeah, yeah. But it's, like, definitely a global city, you know? Um, and, like, fucking protect the people and then also protect the history. Like, you can't, yeah. you can't like, fucking bomb and then have that shit still be there. Can we please just, like, not have fucking wars? Yeah. Yeah. Can we just not? And then I, I don't know, then I start thinking about United States and our fucking warlords and I... Yeah. Can't, that's a whole other episode, but mm-hmm. um, I know that our country is not innocent either. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll post that link on how you can help. There are ways to help directly different places in Ukraine. And I wonder if we could send coffee to Ukraine. Like, it sounds like they're going to drink it. That's funny. I was wondering if we could buy coffee from Ukraine. <laughs> I was wondering if we could buy some. I would love to. So I hope to when we when this war. Is I mean, they ho- might be a little busy on their shipping out internationally. <laughs> yeah. So my hope is that um, when a preoccupied right now, when they hopefully let's just say when they win this war against Russia, because they are fighting a modern war and Russia's fighting a fucking like Soviet Union style war, and the Soviet Union is old. So I'm pretty hopeful that Ukraine will win this war. And when Ukraine wins this war, knock on wood, I don't want to jinx them, we will buy some coffee from Ukraine and we'll do a full episode, perhaps on one of these coffee roasters that we just talked about. Awesome. Um, I think that's it for today. I don't know if you guys have any other questions or input. 
No. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's but I want to send really some coffee to Zelensky too now. Like, yeah. Here, just give it to your troops. Yeah. Just, you know. Now like, that we're best help. friends. Yeah. We're best friends with Zelensky. <laughs> right. We've watched your one. show. Yeah. We've watched your address to Congress. So that's this episode. Please go support Ukraine. Um, power to the Ukrainian people. Fuck Putin. Fuck Putin. And uh, hope you enjoyed this little mini bonus episode. It ended up being a little bit longer than I had expected. Um, you can find us on social media at No Bad Reviews Pod. You can find us on the podcasting apps, on and Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Google. You and can tell send your us friends. an email at hello at No Bad Reviews Podcast. Com. And you know what? I was going to promote our Patreon, but I'm not because I would rather you send that money to Ukraine and mm. not to us. So don't give us any money. Just give your money to Ukraine, please. And then, uh, yeah, Steph, you want to sign us off? Thanks for listening, everyone. Nahoy, Putin.